0: Well, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy, and you can always reach me at Chef Bride Comedy, that's Chef B-R-Y, or by simply searching for Surviving Empathy Podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to talk to you guys in a natural progression from the previous episodes. I want to talk to you guys because it's very relevant right now. I want to talk about empath burnout and empathy overload. And while they're similar, there is a little bit of a difference. And we'll kind of talk about uh, how to become untriggerable, how we don't get triggered by trigger words and and mean people and things that uh, are trying to steal away our joy. Uh, And then lastly, we're going to talk about the power of kindness and why and how we get there. How do you get from a place of, uh, fuck everybody and fuck everything, <laughs> frankly, to a place of love and goodness and kindness and finding your good cheer and how and why can we, how do we find that and how do we maintain it even if, uh, perhaps, uh, someone's trying to steal it from us anyway. And so, yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, this episode is very much in, uh, contrast to the previous few episodes, because uh, there's been some, Rebecca and I, you know, keeping it real, we've been going through it a little bit emotionally, and so we wanted to kind of explain why that is, and why that happens, and and that it's okay, and that it's natural to get that way. We're allowed to color outside the lines, you guys and so um, that's what this episode's going to be about uh, grab yourself something to eat, grab yourself a drink this is going to be a long one uh, my episodes lately have for some reason gone from an hour to an hour and a half and I do apologize for that but you can listen to this in segments um, I'm, I'm not going anywhere once it's there you can uh, p- press play and stop whenever you want so uh, yeah let's get started here Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Surviving Empathy. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy, and you can always reach me at Chef Bride Comedy on all the social media sites or simply search Surviving Empathy Podcast. And you can also reach Rebecca at uh, Spooky Nerdy Gal. Uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the natural progression of episodes. I swear to you, we're going to get to ghost stuff. We're going to get to the paranormal, I have a big show planned, um, but today I wanted to kind of stay in the mental health life arena one more time, and the reason that is is because the last few episodes have been probably a little bit different, especially for those of you who have been listening to me since the beginning. Uh, you guys know me by now. You know that I'm an intelligent and, you know, not to brag, but, you know, I'm an intelligent and kind and positive person and that's what this is all about um, and so those last few episodes might seem a little bit different for you guys you might th- be thinking what the heck is going on with Brian you know um, but no I'm fine you guys I'm fine you know I just wanted to kind of illustrate that um, that life uh, can get in the way uh, of our happiness and our joy and we have to allow ourselves to go through, the ups and downs uh naturally so that we get through these things you cannot process your feelings if you don't get things off your chest if you don't um address them head on and so what happens is we end up burying those things instead of actually dealing with them in a real meaningful way and so <clears throat> we think we get over these things but we don't we don't actually get over them they just kind of go away for a while and then when you think about it again, you get upset and you realize, oh, wow, I really did not deal with that issue. And so I, I want to first apologize to my longtime listeners that um, I promise I'm not I'm not changing on you guys. I'm not turning. Um, I'm still the same person. Um, it's just that the last few episodes uh, have been a little bit different because, frankly, um, I believe that uh, life is challenging for everybody. I believe we all have our limits and we all just sort of get fed up. You know, we get fed up of a lot of things. We get fed up of the news. We get fed up of dysfunction. We get fed up with uh, rude and mean people, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, and so what this episode is about, it's about empath, burnout, and empathy overload. Because I think it's just, uh, the, the two are one and the same and I want to kind of touch on what Basically, Rebecca and I both have been going through for the last uh, week or so. I think we um, got back from vacation. We had a great time. Uh, We, you know, and then we had a a few days off before Rebecca had to go back to work. And so, don't don't get me wrong. I had a great vacation. I had a great hiatus. Um, But as soon as you know, life starts to feel uh, back in gear, so to speak, again. Once you get your nose back to the grindstone, you can actually. Uh, start to burn out quite quickly, especially if you didn't uh get everything off your chest the way you wanted to. And so I want to talk about empath burnout as well as empathy overload. And they're very close, but let me just kind of explain to you what I think the difference is. So um empath burnout is uh kind of when you as an empath are getting overstimulated, kind of like my cat Gouda. My cat Gouda, she has days where she's super calm and super relaxed and she's laying there. You guys have seen the picture on Instagram. She is the most chill cat ever and she lays there on her back and she you know happy cats uh, cats that aren't relaxed will not lay on their back the way Gouda does. So it makes you realize, oh okay, good, we're doing something right as as pet owners, you know, is that when a cat is that relaxed, You know, you're doing something right. It means that they're at ease, you know, and, um, but then, uh, every once in a while, uh, she'll be on edge. She'll be looking everywhere and she'll get really twitchy and we're like, what's wrong with her, you know? And so what we've come to the conclusion is, is that there are certain things that triggers my cat's, uh, anxiety. And so the main one, (laughs) you guys have probably heard me talk about is the ceiling fan, this ceiling fan in my bedroom. Uh, occasionally we have it turned on so that it will suck, uh, some of the warm air in here during the winters. And it will kind of mix that warm air together. And then during the summers, of course, we have it in the opposite direction. So it will blow cool air on us. Well, <clears throat> just, she does not like that movement because it's above, it's just above her eye, you know, range where she can't really, it's kind of in her peripheral vision and she always sees it there. And cats are, you know, instinctual creatures. And so they, they feel this need to, um, always be on guard. And so when they have something in their visual field that they don't want there, it just constantly antagonizes their senses. Right. And then, uh, also, uh, she, um, you know, we got this, uh, because of the pandemic we were able to get a little extra money, uh, because of the pandemic and those checks. And so I took that opportunity to buy a new sound system for my uh, TV because I, we were having issues with our sound bar. And so we ended up buying these nice speakers and a, and a little uh, receiver and uh, <clears throat> we got a really good deal on everything, but it's um it's louder. It's louder and noisier than uh, we anticipated. And while we, what I really like about it is that it's not super loud, You, but we can make it loud, but it's different because it's a surround system my cat is hearing sounds coming in from all directions. And so she's, um, she's freaking out about that too. And um, in the beginning, we were listening to a lot of uh, Christopher Lawrence, which is this trance music. And uh, <clears throat> it was just at nighttime to kind of relax before we went to bed and such. And uh, it, you, know, we could tell that she was just unnerved by it, you know, and you know, trance music might unnerve a lot of people, <laughs> but, but I'm using that analogy because animals Human beings and animals, we're all animals. We're all biological beings and we all suffer from the same things, which is when we're, when our stress levels can take no more, when our instincts can take no more, when our senses can just take in no more information, especially as empaths, we have this tendency to, to either stress out and get twitchy or we shut down. Okay. And so that's where uh, empath burnout is really. And empath burnout uh comes from a lot of different factors, but think of it in terms of my cat Gouda, You know, she gets <clears throat> to the point where she just stresses and stresses and stresses and then she ends up just hiding underneath the bed because she doesn't want all that sensation coming in anymore. And that's really what it is with empaths. Is that empaths are um highly uh, susceptible to movement and sound. They're highly susceptible to expressions on people's face and even micro-expressions. We can see all those little subtle changes that a lot of people might might not consciously be aware of. And even if uh, empaths don't uh, see it, they sense it. Um, We have uh, much more acute motor neurons, uh, what's called um, mirror neurons or mirror motor neurons. And the reason why empaths are so susceptible to... Uh, taking in information around them is that uh, they're cranked to 11. You know, they take in much more than most people take in where you might be set to a six or a seven and pass cranked crank to 11, 12, 13 or whatever. You know, that's just an example. There's no actual set number, but <clears throat> I'm just saying that we're taking in all this information and that has a tendency to be overwhelming to our senses and overwhelming to our mind, and especially if you're, um, a thoughtful person, um, we tend to overanalyze everything. We tend to strategize everything and we tend to overthink everything. And so at the end of the day, if you're already tired and you're already stressing out, you can reach, uh, an empath overload where you're just taking in too much. You're taking in too much from the outside world. You're taking in too much stress. You're taking in too much, um, dysfunction. And so, <clears throat> so at the end of the day, you really end up just sort of ending up like Gouda. You end up wanting to go underneath the bed and just hide from the world, you know? And, um, and so I thought this was a really good time to, to talk about this because, um, a lot of you guys who already know me, you're probably like, well, gee, what happened to my kind, positive friend, Brian? You know, he's, he's changed. There's something different about him. And I just want to assure you guys that no, I'm fine, you know? Um, I, I've, I've maintained my morals. I've maintained my values. I'm not changing and I'm not going anywhere for you guys. Um, it's just that, you know, we, we live in a world, um, that does trigger us, you know, and that's what uh, they call triggering where the, you get triggered by stimuli. And, uh, yeah, lately, you know, you, you probably listened to the last episode and you heard Rebecca, she, I mean, right in the middle of a, of a podcast, she, she just broke down, you know, and it was completely unexpected and uh, of course, you know i I paused and i we took a few minutes just to uh, talk and and I let her cry it out and we talked and uh, we had an, a really good uh emotional uh therapeutic time over it, you know because afterward after the podcast was all said and done um i I was trying to decide whether or not I even wanted to post it because. Uh, it it didn't go as planned but you know just because something doesn't go as planned doesn't mean that it's bad you know and so i i got to thinking about it and i decided no i think you know i listened to some of what i said and i said no i think this is salvageable there's something good here uh for my audience and so uh, i want to apologize for some of the things i said you know like i i, I joked about sticking my dick in the mashed potatoes well that's that comes from an old Beastie Boys song, you guys. If you don't know, I, I'm not actually sticking dicks in mashed potatoes. Um, that's just a, a colloquialism, meaning that if it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to go crazy, right? And that's all that meant. And and secondly, uh, I said something to the effect of, um, uh, what was it? Um, you know, s- suck it up, princess, or something like that. You know, and I'm sure you guys were shocked by that. You're like, wait, whoa, wait a second. Here's an empath telling me to get over it suck it up and 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 so that's why I spent so much time afterward trying to let you guys understand where I was coming from is that no we absolutely have real trauma real problems that are uh, mental health problems that are very very real and we should never ever invalidate those but all I was trying to say, is that my grandfather came from a different era and that my grandfather would have taken some of what we find to be so important. And we would, he would have just shook his head about it and went, God, you guys just get so wrapped up in things that aren't important, you know, because to him, you know, he was a meat and potatoes guy and um, he didn't think it was necessary to sit there and, and pound things into the dirt, you know? And so all I was trying to uh, illustrate is that sometimes it's a good idea to, you know, get all of your feelings out, to dwell on your feelings, to take an entire day to be sad or take an entire week even to be sad. There's nothing wrong with that. So there are times when you, you should and absolutely must uh, confront your feelings and feel those things really and allow yourself to, to move through that because that's, that's the process is you get sad and you get down, you get depressed, and then you, you know, maybe you, um, you know, overeat or something, or maybe you snack, or maybe you, you know, maybe you watch uh, old sad movies or whatever, you know, but we all have our comforts when we're depressed. Um, <clears throat> but I don't want you guys to think that I'm indifferent to that, or indifferent to your suffering. No, absolutely not. Um, all I'm saying, all I was trying to illustrate, is that there is a point where we stop being helpful to ourselves, where we start actually hurting ourselves because of our own mentalities. And um, and so that goes into emotional triggers and that goes into emotional uh stressors, and uh and that's what I wanted to talk about today. <clears throat> so the hints of there uh, there's this meme that I found the other day, and it really got me thinking about the hints of empathy burnout and, uh, let me just, uh, uh, read this to you guys. Uh, empathy turns to apathy. Okay. And that you might've noticed that on some of my episodes is that I was, I was having to defend myself from certain people, uh, that were, uh, sort of, uh, trespassing on my, on my good nature, trespassing on my kindness. Uh, I call those that trespassing when somebody, is encroaching upon you uh, energetically, uh, not in a good place, not in a kind place. That is encroachment, and that's called trespassing. We they're energetically trespassing on you, and so uh, empathy turns to apathy. And so you might have seen that in me a little bit. You 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 definitely saw that in Rebecca, where she was talking about the mask holes at her work. She gets yelled at two, three, four times a day <clears throat> from people over the dumbest stuff uh where's my free turkey well it hasn't that hasn't started until until a couple of days from now you know the mask calls where well, i'm not wearing a mask one one guy even had a gun and brandished his gun he lifted his shirt to show the cashier his gun that if you want me to put on a mask i will literally shoot you and they tried to call the police on the matter and uh they couldn't identify the man. And so he got away with it. And so you guys have to understand context matters here because I'm not talking about simply, you know, being mean and rude to everybody because you have an inflated sense of entitlement or an inflated sense of self. Uh, but there is such thing as, uh, empaths are held to a higher standard and so there is such thing as empathy burnout or empath overload, where we just we just get shut down. We stop feeling all that our normal goodness and kindness, and it turns into something ugly. It turns into something um, aggressive. It turns into a different energetic flavor, if you will. You know. And so I want to assure you guys that while I might show you guys different sides to my personality. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit more irreverent. Sometimes I'm a little bit more jokey. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit more calloused than you're used to seeing. Um, but, but I assure you, I haven't changed. I, what I wanted to do is show you guys what it's like for a real empath to actually have reached empath burnout. Because, you know, it's not that, like I planned it or something, but I wanted you guys to see the real me and that it's okay. See, the first thing, Uh, that empaths do is they always hyperanalyze everything. And they think that they're not allowed to be like other people, that we have to always be kind. We always have to be polite. We can never speak out of line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the thing about this. You guys is that, yes, we, in an ideal world, we would always be polite. We would always be kind. And I think we do try every morning when we wake up in the morning, it is uh, usually like 99.9% of the time we are trying to live in a world of kindness, especially, you know, people who grew up in the old country, not the old country, the the old school ways. You know, I grew up in the 80s. Um, I grew up in a small town. We waved at our neighbors. We waved to police officers. We were just We said hi to neighbors when we were getting the mail. You know, I remember when I moved up to uh, Vancouver, Washington for the first time and uh, I was walking by one of my neighbors and I said, hi, you know, and she just looked at me and just scowled and walked off. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. And then I remember this other time there was this guy, he he was our, um, he was our uh, FedEx guy. And uh, he, I opened the door and he just gave me this sneer. And I was like, "What? What's that all about?" And he he just had that look, like he thought he was better than me. And I was like, "What's that all about?" And so the point is, is that if you grow up in a big city, if you grow up in a larger town, if you're younger and you, perhaps you didn't grow up kind of the way your parents did, um, you may not have been introduced to just good old fashioned folksyisms. You know, uh, there was a time when people just were nicer that we had more time to offer each other, that we, we would tell stories with each other. We would, and I'm not saying that's gone completely. No, I'm not saying that you guys are completely foreign to that. I'm just saying that, um, the times are changing and as such, uh, we're becoming a little bit more curt with each other. We're becoming a little bit more crazy. Our, our politics is becoming more divisive and toxic. And so, you know, what happens is, is a lot of these, um, conservatives, they don't like what's going on. They don't like that. That Trump lost. They don't like that. Um, the, the, the man, the vaccine mandates are happening because they want, they believe in freedom. Well, shit, I'm a fucking veteran. I believe in freedom too, but we have a collective responsibility to get this damn thing under control so we can stop wearing our masks. The sooner we get our shit together, the sooner we can go back to normal life. Um, but you got these people, they, they, they sit around and they're, their houses and their homes, their shanties, if you will. And they watch Fox news and they get all riled up uh, because Tucker Carlson is telling them something that their rights are being obfuscated from them. And then they end up going to the grocery store and taking it out on my wife. Right. And so the point I was trying to make and the, and what we're trying to illustrate is that we all have a threshold, man. We all have a threshold of how much shit we're willing to put up with. Right. And, um, you know, it just gets to the point where empaths are, uh, very sensitive people. They're very conscientious people. And it just comes, you get to the point where you just, you don't even see it happening, but you just, you turn, you just change, you hulk out, you know, all of a sudden your skin turns green, you know, and you, you hulk out on someone and then, and you can get into a lot of trouble that way, especially if it's a customer, especially if it's your boss or something. And so, Empath overload is a real thing, you guys, and um, you don't have to call yourself an empath to experience it. Everybody, listen, you guys, I I have an episode coming pretty soon and I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to go into the science of being an empath because there are actual scientific reasons why some people are energetically more sensitive to vibes and energy than other people. Um, we just pick up on more things. We're receiving more information, and that can be a blessing and it can be a curse. And so you might feel that way too in yourself. Um, it's real easy to allow yourself in a world full of hate, a world full of misinformation, a world that is bent on global domination, to just have had enough, you know, you lose your shit, you know. And so the last few episodes, what I want to illustrate, is not that I've changed or somehow my morals are different. No, no, I'm the same person. I still love you guys. I still care about you guys. I'm here for you. I'm here as your empath, um, friend and, uh, neighbor. And, uh, you know, I'm here to, to, to be. A shoulder to cry on in a time of need. That's what I'm here for, for all working people, all struggling people, whether it's mental health woes or you're just feeling like you're lagging behind in life. Um, man, I get it because I go through it all the time. Um, but empath overload. Um, so going back to this list real fast. Um, so empathy turns to apathy. So you saw that in my wife. You saw that in me where I was talking about, um, you know, making fun of people. Now, I feel like I need to clarify that I'm not saying that we should spend all our time in life um, making fun of each other. That is not what I meant, nor is it what I want, nor is it what I um, think is right. Um, what I'm saying is that human beings are human. And we need to allow each other uh, to be human, to give each other a break. Um, but when somebody is a little too arrogant, when somebody is a little too strange, when somebody is not uh, exercising good judgment, um, maybe they lack self-awareness, you know, sometimes it's therapeutic to say something in private amongst friends, you know. That's all I was trying to say. Um, because the truth is, is that I sincerely believe that human beings if we don't start working towards a goal with each other no matter how different we are we're just never gonna accomplish anything as a society you guys we gotta start working together and um and so when i say that empathy turns to apathy yeah, it happens. And sometimes it happens. You can feel it and see it happening. And other times it just happens. You're like, oh shit, I didn't mean for that to slip out of my mouth, you know. <clears throat> but the episodes where I'm talking about um society people, where I'm talking about mean-spirited people, sociopaths, people lacking self-awareness, etc. We should all try to have a sense of humor about each other, to try to have a, a, self, uh, a, a self-deprecating self sense of humor about ourselves, and to just live our life relaxed and um, just have a, a sense of a calmness and purpose. And that's what I learned from my grandfather, is to simply learn where to draw the line between sensitivity and uh, overcomplicating your life. That's really what it boils down to is just make sure you guys that when you're going through a, a state <clears throat> where you're feeling overly sensitive or overcharged, or maybe you're burnt out or something, um, you're in a vulnerable state. And that is where bad things can happen. You can go off on somebody, you can say something you don't mean, or you could lose a friend. Um, I, like I said, um, I'm usually a really kind person to most people, but I've lost a handful of friends in life because, uh, frankly, when push comes to shove, uh, somebody says something that irritates you and you say something uh, cold or harsh back to them. And that's it. Um, it's because when it gets to that point, especially if it's just an acquaintance is not a close personal friend. Um, it just gets to that point where you're like, you know what? I don't have, this person is not serving me. A terrible purpose in my life anyway so it just sometimes in the moment it feels good to say something fucked up and um oftentimes we live to regret that but then other times you might wake up to see you know uh there's a reason and a season and a lifetime for different friendships and so sometimes you have to chalk up some of those friendships to you know that was a reason or oh that was a season um I'd like to think that like my friend, the chiropractor, we've had a falling out. <clears throat> and uh, I I texted him yesterday to say, you know, I really don't feel like um, I need you one way or the other. I could take you or leave you at this point, you know, and, and I didn't phrase it quite like that, but I was just letting him know that because he'll let really long periods of time go before he'll call me or text me. And, normally like with my friend Craig six months could go by and you don't even think about it you're like eh, it's fine you know and then when we do talk we're like hey what's up dude you know there's no animosity there but um my friend Jim the chiropractor he um he's a great guy don't get me wrong um he's very similar to me in that he's he he's he, he over analyzes everything um and we have that in common but um but the but the problem is is that uh Three, maybe four times uh, in his life, he has um, gone off on me verbally uh, only to uh, for me to have forgiven him and say, okay, well, you were drinking and that's fine. And then the second time it happens, I was with Rebecca and we were brand new together. We had we just started dating and he was calling me at two in the morning, causing all these hassles and uh, calling me names, all kinds of crazy things. In other words, he was going... Through a process where he had old, old stuff from high school still stuck in his craw uh, that was he was processing because he wasn't he was you know having some problem with alcohol and then he eventually quit and so um, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt there and I said okay you know I get it you know because we're all processing something you guys we're all processing grief we're all processing uh, things that happened to us a long time ago and if you never processed it correctly the first time oftentimes it comes back to nip you in the ass again. And, and unless you really process something effectively, it will probably keep nagging at you until you do. And so um, we have to learn how to process things correctly the first time. And if we don't, well, that's okay. Just so long as you do eventually. Um, but the point I'm making is that um, Jim has been going through, you know, he went through his alcohol stuff and now he's been quit for years now and that's good. And he's doing pretty good. Um, and he's actually quite successful now. He's got two chiropractic offices. And so he's financially, he's kicking my butt, that's for sure. Um, but I think, uh, he's still going through, uh, it takes about nine years. I I think I remember hearing that from Dr. Drew, uh, of Loveline fame uh he said that when you get over alcohol or some kind of addiction, it takes about nine years to fully heal emotionally and physically in every which way um and that's because you go through all these different stages of healing and um and so I believe he's about at that stage now where it's been seven eight nine years something like that, and so he is slowly but surely getting there um but he um we had a falling out a few years ago and two years went by where we weren't talking. And, um, the reason being is that he went off on me again. And, um, I told him, listen, I'm not your fucking, you know, I'm not your uh, rag doll. I'm not your doormat, you know? And, um, and so I went, I let a lot of time go by where I didn't talk to him. And I was afraid that we were never going to make, make it back, you know, that we were never going to get, become friends again. And, um, you know, I've had you know, acquaintances where you have a falling out and you just never are able to rehash things because you were really never that close to begin with. Um, but with this person, this is the guy that, you know, we were bosom buddies in high school, you know, and, uh, it really hurt, you know, and he's married and I'm married and we're all getting older. We're all, you know, in our mid to late forties now. And so, um, we're at a point where our emotional maturity is maturing. Uh, We're becoming uh, older, wiser people. Um, At least we like to think, you know, Um, and that's the thing, you you know, just because you're older and wiser doesn't mean that we don't still give into those petty grievances, those petty things. Um, And so those have to be addressed as well. But the point I'm making is that we had a falling out and it took a really long time uh, for us to finally start talking to each other again. And um, and so I yesterday I texted him. Just something along the lines of, hey, you know, in a in a good friendship, normally I would say that it's no big deal that we talk only maybe once every five, six months, but in a relationship like ours that's still mending, I think we need to put on some guardrails and make sure, you know, that we're, that there's some upkeep there, you know, because like with me and Craig, like I was saying, you know, we'll go three, four, five, six months, no problem. And when we talk again, there's no animosity there because we know that there, there was no reason for all that gap, you know? Um, but when you've had a falling out with someone, especially when you've had three to four major blowouts with this person and they have a history of abusing you, at least verbally, um, it, it just took me a really long time to finally accept that, okay, you know, I, 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 I trust that you're not going to fuck me over again, you know? And I had to tell him, you know? Um, but the point I was making, I'm making is that I texted him and I kind of just said um, that I think it would be a good idea that you would um, text me between phone calls to let me know that you're still thinking about me, you know, because like, I don't really know where his head's at. I don't, you know, cause he's a, he's a chiropractor and he's a Leo And he's one of those people that's just all about success and he's very success driven. And, you know, I am too, to a lesser extent, but I'm, I'm just not as fancy as him. You know, he's trying to be a chiropractor and have this esteem, you know, and, um, and so I was just trying to let him know that I don't believe it's a good idea to, to let us go six months without talking to each other. When we're still in a very vulnerable place, because even though we made amends and we've had a couple of good conversations since our blowing out, uh, we made things right and it felt good in that moment. Um, but if you let too much time go by with a mending relationship, you're able to, um, you know, lose respect, lose love, lose that, that friendship starts to peter out over time you know our feelings for them start to fade away and i just don't want that to happen with us because we've been through so much together and while i told him something along the lines of uh you i could take or leave your friendship at this point that you couldn't hurt me or help me at this point in my life and and then i kind of thought about it and i was like oh shit you know that sounds kind of harsh um so i i texted him i voice messaged him today and i was like hey I'm going to voice message you because I believe that there's just not enough inflection with texting and it can come off very cold and harsh. And so I wanted to clarify a couple of things. And so I told him, you know, that I was sorry that I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I was just saying that now that we're approaching 50, uh, our emotional maturity, we've had to learn to, to block out all the hurt in our life that we've learned and we've grown accustomed to hardship. We've grown accustomed to people fucking us over. And so you almost have to, uh, thicken your skin. You have to, you know, you actually have to become a tougher, more calloused person as a result of just living longer, more years on this planet, the longer you live. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting some hiccups here. Um, but the, the longer you live, you know, the more you have to deal with adversity, the more you become uh, hardened and tough and toughened up from life's challenges. And um, and so I was just telling him, like, I'm sorry I came out that way. I didn't mean it that way. I, of course, I love you. You know, I don't want to lose you. And that's why I'm texting you today is because I want you to understand that I feel like too much time has gone by. And uh, if we don't... Um, keep putting kindling in the fire, so to speak, the fire is going to go out, you know, and that's really the point I was making. And so he's like, oh, okay. And I told him, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, rehash old stuff. You know, we're, we're good with that. And he's like, oh, okay. Um And then he said he would call me in a couple of hours and a couple of hours went by and he still didn't answer or he still hadn't called me because he said he was going to call me in a couple of hours and he never did. And uh, I wanted to record uh this evening. And so I was like, ah, just you're off the hook. Just so long as we stay in touch, you know, that's all I'm, all, that's all I'm saying, you know? And so at the end of the day, I think we're, we'll be okay probably, but it's just one of those things where people um are dealing with a, an absurd amount of stress these days, an absurd amount of meanness and cruelty out there in the world. And so I wanted to let you guys know from the bottom of my heart, that I apologize if you guys got the wrong idea. I would never try to minimize somebody's mental health problems. I'm just saying though that we have to, we must, if we're going to get through life and get stronger and better, we have to address our own issues and learn uh, to draw the line at a good place between self care and overthinking, overanalyzing, and actually creating more problems than there really is. You know, and so when I was using my grandfather in the last episode as a, an analogy of suck it up princess, um, yeah, sometimes in the moment I was feeling that, you know, and, and, um, and you'll have to, like I said, if I will forgive you of your trespasses, if you forgive me of my trespasses. Um, but I was simply trying to Uh, shock you guys into understanding where I was coming from. That at the end of the day, where do we draw the line between being sensitive and being asensitive and simply having um, just too much sensitivity? You can be oversensitive and uh, I can too. That's the problem with most people nowadays. We were raised to be uh, expressive. We were raised to be creative. We were raised. To when there was a problem, to talk about it, to be direct, and um, and you know, and some and there are some people who like to, you know, be stoic and uh, old school and old fashioned about those things too. But but I do believe on the whole we have become more uh, aware of our feelings uh, now that we're in the year 2021. We're we're allowed to have feelings. We're allowed to express them. We're allowed to process those feelings, and so. What I'm getting at, what I'm driving at is that we must learn to be somewhat tough um, and know where the line should be drawn between um, advocating for your own uh, mental health and self care and, and simply being oversensitive about it. You know, because like I said, when you, well, let me give you full, a good example. As an empath, um, I've told you guys that simply by talking about being an empath, I make myself more susceptible to it because I'm drawing attention to that awareness, right? Those vibes, that energy, that, that hypersensitive nature that I have. Um, when I talk about it, I'm doing so in a way because I want to help people because I want others to relate to what I'm going through because I think a lot of empaths deal with the same, uh, problems and struggles. Um, but, at the end of the day, by simply by addressing these problems, simply by bringing the topic up, we actually open ourselves up energetically to that hypersensitivity and to that awareness to the point where it can uh, overwhelm our senses, and you end up like Gouda wanting to go underneath the bed because she's being overwhelmed by physical uh, and 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 emotional and mental um, stressors. You know what I'm saying? So. So that's what I'm getting at with empath overload is that when you've got tired, when you get tired of politics and you get tired of dysfunction and you get tired of cruelty and you get tired of immaturity and you get tired of mean spirited people, you will reach empath overload. And so, um, that, uh, so going back to this, uh, hints of empathy, burnout, uh, meme here, um, it talks about easily triggered. Um, so we become easily triggered, you know, the smallest things can set us off. And I think that's what was wrong with Rebecca is she was having a letdown because she had worked all week and then that was her first day off. And, um, so we were recording an episode and she just broke down into tears and that's, that's quite all right. You guys, it's perfectly okay to do that. Um, That episode, you know, was meant to be kind of like uh, the empath strike back. You know, I kind of use the Star Wars reference to my friend is that it's like empath strike back that we empaths hold ourselves to such a perfect standard of behavior that we oftentimes ignore or neglect our own needs. And so what we end up doing is always taking the high road and in doing so we're actually negating our own needs because we're we're bottling those things up rather than dealing with them head on. And so playing the mature one, uh, taking the high road, yes, we should try to do those things, of course, but you still need to get those things out one way or another. And that's what I was talking about when it comes to talking behind people's back in private to a friend. When you're talking about people is that we're not talking about making fun of people. We're not talking about hurting people. We're simply talking about people who are upsetting us so that we can get those feelings out. So we don't bottle them up. Okay. That's what it's really about. And, um, and, and sometimes we poke a little fun as well. So that can have a two, it can be a dual function. We're either doing it to process our feelings or we're doing it to, uh, poke a little fun because it helps us find our sense of humor in a situation that perhaps isn't very funny. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it's about. So we get uh, easily emotionally triggered in situations, um, that, that upset our sensibilities. There are a lot of rude, dumb bastards out there, you guys, and, um, they do not care about your feelings. They do not care about you whatsoever. They, they would simply, uh, look at you, uh, the same, in the same regards as they would let you die. And, and so I do believe there are good people out there. And that's what we have to pay attention to is that, you know, when you're an empath, you're taking in all this energy, 120%. You're taking it all in at once and it can overwhelm our senses. It can overwhelm our emotions. It can overwhelm our thinking. And so we become, uh, hypersensitive and then we start to break down we start to get tired we start to fatigue and that's where we start snapping at people that's where we start getting irreverent that's where we start getting angry that's where we start um losing ourself and our normal uh personality because we're having to become somebody else to get those things off our chest and so that's kind of what i was going through at the time you guys is i was going through an empath overload and um and i want to let you guys know that I'm not ashamed that you guys got to see that. Because like I said, this here uh, podcast and being an empath, it's all about processing grief, processing trauma, and processing our feelings in such a way that at the end of the day, we have a surplus of good emotions and a surplus of good mental health so that we can be stronger and tougher and smarter and better and just improve and have a more robust life. That's what it's all about. Um, so let me go back to this meme and now it says, um, emotionally exhausted, intentionally isolate and intrusive thoughts. Um, so yes, emotionally exhausted would definitely describe Rebecca the other day. Um, I was asking her probing questions and she would just shut down. Um, she was emotionally exhausted and why was she emotionally exhausted? Because she's tired of being mistreated at work by perfect strangers. Now, thankfully she has a good crew and she has good bosses, but when you deal with a lot of mean spirited rudeness, um, it will make you just crazy. You just break down. Um, and then, um, yeah. And, and, and so she she was emotionally exhausted. And that ha- we, a lot of times Rebecca and I call that, um, where you have, uh, sometimes we'll get what's called, um, migraine, um, uh, what do, what do we call it? Um, it's where we have like a, a, a migraine or an energetic, um, uh, God, the, the, the word is escaping me right now. Um, uh, it's kind of like, um, when you've had, like when you've been working several days in a row and then you finally get a day off, you'll have that um, relief. And oftentimes that relief will cause you to have uh, either a migraine in that case, or an emotional uh, breakdown, right? Because you're having a a day where you you finally have a day off and oh, like an emotional letdown. It's called a letdown. You will either get a a migraine letdown or we'll get an emotional letdown. And all that really signifies is that after a long buildup of having to work and grind every day, uh, you finally get a day off and you don't know what to do with yourself and you're tired and you're exhausted. And um, you're in one of those emotionally fragile places where it could go either way, where if you're having a good day, you could easily have a great day. Or it could be one of those things where, <clears throat> like with Rebecca and I on the podcast, I was talking about Dell and talking about all the screw ups and mix ups. And it just it just drudged up her whole week dealing with absurd, mean people at work. And so she had an emotionally exhausted day and uh, that ended up turning into a total breakdown. And that's, you know, sometimes it happens and that's OK. And that's what I that's the point I'm trying to make you guys is that whatever you're going through, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed to have an emotional burnout. Don't be ashamed. To stick up for yourself. And like me, I want to apologize to you if you got the wrong idea about me in those other episodes, but am I ashamed of it? No. Because there's nothing to be ashamed of because I'm not changing who I am. I was simply trying to illustrate to you guys that it happens to everybody, that we all go through it. So, I'm actually quite glad that that those episodes went the way they went because <clears throat> I think like I said, uh and past they don't feel like they can, uh, color outside of the lines. They don't feel like they can stick up for themselves. They don't feel like they're allowed to be rude or mean or curt with people. It's like, no, man, sometimes you have to be, you know, um, just because we want the world to behave just because we want the world to be be the way that it is in our mind's eye, uh, when it doesn't live up to our, um, sensibilities Yes, it can be very discouraging, and it can it can cause a, an emotional reaction. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have to be ashamed of it or guilty if it does. Like if you have a blow up, um, I can't say your boss would forgive you if you told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> but if you and a friend are having an emotional time and you have a blowout with them, um, <clears throat> sometimes it helps just to apologize and say, "Hey, you know, I was having an emotional breakdown." I was having an emotional release. I was having an emotional letdown from too many times, too many days of being stressed out or uh, being, uh, you know, like in Rebecca's case, uh, picked on and fucked with by perfect strangers. And the rudeness and cruelty will get to you over time, guys. And that's kind of what happened with me and my friend Jim, the chiropractor, is that I just dealt with his abusiveness too many times. It's like, why in the fuck are you still worried about shit that happened between us in high school. That was 30 years ago, you know? Um, but I'm not saying that those uh, issues are not valid, just that I thought we had tackled them already, you know, because in high school I was, you know, I was a different person. I mean, was I sensitive? Yes. Um, but I liked in those days, instead of, um, you know, accepting that I'm an empath, I didn't know what being an empath was yet. Um, I was embarrassed by my hypersensitivity. And so because I was a um, muscular and fit guy, um, oftentimes I came across very um, bullish. Um, And I I learned how to get my way through my size and intimidation. And so I think my friend uh, grew to resent that over time, you know, and, um, but we've apologized, you know, we've talked about those things since then many, many times. And so I thought we had uh, came to a new re- uh, understanding that, dude, that's not me anymore. You know, and the only reason why, like I said, why I wasn't a mean person. I wasn't a rude person, but I, I could be overly aggressive, overly assertive. I was very, Uh, muscular. I was a big guy. Um, and uh, this was a time when I moved from the central coast of California up to Redding and I was dealing with a very new place. A lot of people were trying to pick on me. There was a lot of uh, cowboys and, uh, just good old boys that were messing with me. And so I had to get tough really fast to make it. And so what happened was at, while I'm learning to, um, uh, I was growing into a man, you know, because it was a, a sophomore year in high school. <clears throat> I was going through puberty. I, I had grown a foot that summer. And then I started lifting weights as soon as I got there because um, I didn't know anybody yet. And so when lunch time came, they would let us go into the gymnasium and work out in the fitness room. Um, and since I didn't know anybody yet, I would go work out. Well, I ended up getting addicted to it. I, I started loving it and I started getting really muscular. And, um, I think that helped me socially too, because, you know, I had grown a foot. I was kind of a chubby guy. I had told you guys about soccer and being a chubby guy. I was kind of like Bobby Hill. And then, um, this was the same time that my friend Jim and I had met because we had both, we both had moved to Reading from another place and both of us didn't know anybody. Um, and while I used that new traumatic experience to, Uh, rebrand myself into a stronger, tougher guy. Um, He was looking for a friend and he was, you know, his, he had a, his family, we were poor, but he was really poor. And so um, we, we, we had math class together. And then um, he, uh, I invited him over to my house for a soda and and something to eat. And we, and we, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But um, then I, you know, after high school, he moved away to go to college and, I went into the military and so um, our friendship took took kind of a hiatus there for a few years until um, I got out of the military and he was going studying to be a chiropractor. And so that's where all our plans started um, hatching to where we were going to be a, a chiropractic team together. And then I decided to go to culinary school instead. And I really do believe that our issues all stemmed from that, that not only was he sort of... Um, uh, he, he hadn't come to terms with my bullishness in high school. But like I said, the reason why I was that way is because I was growing stronger. I had never really had that before. I was, I was a very shy and timid person, very, um, gentle and, um, kind of nerdy and goofy. And, um, and then for the first time, girls were looking at me for the first time I was, I was handsome and I was muscular and, uh, you know, you know how you get when you get a new toy, you got to try it out. And so I was, I was, I was turning into a different person. Um, and some of it for the better and some of it not. And so I think there was a lot of, um, uh, animosity between us because of the fact that I was growing into this different person, uh, and sort of exploiting my strength and exploiting the fact that I was this big, strong guy and uh, my friend didn't like it too much. And, uh, it caused some animosities there. And so, um, years and years later, uh, I went to culinary school and he went to a chiropractic school and, um, we kind of had a, a separation for many, many years where we weren't living next with each other or, or around each other. And so, um, we, uh, ended up, uh, staying friends. Um, but then that's when he was drinking and then I had quit by then I quit drinking when I was 30. Um, and he was still drinking and carrying on and, and, um, he was doing it to get over his, uh, stresses because he was a chiropractor and he worked for a boss that was very overbearing and so he would drink to um come home and uh get the day off of his shoulders and so to make a long story short um there was a few times where he blew up at me uh first it was when I was first uh uh getting together with Rebecca. we were n- dating uh brand new getting to know each other and he, she she was like, "Who is this guy? She didn't know who he was right and I had to explain who he was and what he was doing and why he was upset. And um, anyways, that turned into a couple more blowouts. And then, so finally uh, this, this last blowout happened in uh, 2018, I believe it was. And uh, I just wasn't having it anymore, you know, because by then uh, you know, I was starting to come into my own as a radio guy and a podcaster and a YouTuber and all that. And, um, and so I just said, you know what, if this guy is not mature enough to handle, our relationship and not in a position where he can uh, appreciate me for who I really am, not who he thinks I am because that's what happens is people, they, they like to put you in, Oh, this is who I think you are. It's like, yeah, but that's not who I am. I'm not that person anymore. You're like, you're, you're, you're still blaming me for the way I was in high school. And I've haven't been that way in, in 25 years, you know? So, Um, and we've had those kind of talks, we've talked about it and we've got it off our chest. And that's, I've talked to you guys before about, um, situations where you think you've processed something and you're over it. And then you come to find that you're not and, and, and don't feel shame. Like I said, that's what all this is about. You guys is don't feel shame. Uh, if something doesn't stick the first time, it sometimes takes a few tries. Um, but that's just it. Like, I'm not going to feel Uh, shame or guilt just because I had an empathic, uh, overload with you guys on a few episodes. Like, I wanted you guys to see that it's okay for us to be irreverent sometimes. It's okay for us to talk smack once in a while. It's okay to get things off our chest. That's what it's all about. Um, that doesn't mean that we should be mean or rude to that person. It just means that sometimes in order to process our guilt, process our anger, process our grief. Uh, Sometimes we have to get things off our chest um, by talking to someone in the privacy of our own home. And in in that conversation, you might talk some mad shit. um, But then afterward, you kind of get everything off your chest and then you sort of, um, you start to then get the anger out. You know, once you get the anger out and the anger is over with, then you can start processing your other feelings like the hurt, you know, cause most people get angry cause they're hurting. And that's what Jim was, is he was hurting. Uh, he got angry cause he was hurting over the fact that, um, he didn't like how bullish I was in high school. And he had a, uh, it it probably messed with him intellectually. It probably messed with him as a man, you know, cause guys hate that shit. Other men trying to out man us like, fuck you. You know, it's like that man thing, you know, but Yeah, we're, we're in an okay place now. And, um, I just, like I said, I just wanted him to understand that, um, things aren't fully healed yet. So we should probably maintain this a little while before we think we can just go six months without talking to each other. So that's what I'm saying there. And then, um, so going back to this, um, emotionally exhausted, intentionally isolate intrusive thoughts. So I get a lot of intrusive thoughts when I'm stressed out. Um, when I was flying to California, <clears throat> I could not stop thinking about airplane crashes, man. And it is so not a good idea. Um, it's easy, you guys, when you're lacking in sleep, lacking in confidence, lacking in uh, energy to simply lose all grips on reality, and your mind can create and concoct the craziest fucking stories, um, sometimes out of thin air. Now, most of the time, our brains are fairly good at being able to tell fact from fiction, but <clears throat> when you're overly stressed out, when you're overly tired, when you're overly angry or frustrated, um, it can get really easy to start assuming a lot of things are true that may not be entirely accurate. And things like that person, that bitch, that bitch at work is trying to kill me. That bitch at work, she's trying to get me fired, you know? And and maybe she is, maybe she isn't, but chances are um, minor squabbles at work, um, they're not trying to murder you, <laughs> but it can feel like that in the moment, you know? And so <clears throat> it's always best to... Come home and if you have a partner uh, talk about these things so that you can get them off your chest so that when you go to work the next day you have a game plan of how to deal with that person you have a game plan on how to react and how to act um, and and it'll help you get things off your chest because like I said those things build up if we don't get them off our shoulders um, those things can internalize and then we'll explode and a lot of times we don't we don't get to choose when and how we explode and so when we explode, we could get in trouble. We can lose a friend. We could lose a partner. We could, (laughs) we could break something and end up in jail, you know? So we have to be careful, you guys, with our anger and frustration. Processing our feelings in real time is a very important thing to do. Um, But in yeah, but in intrusive thoughts, yeah, I get them all the time, you guys. Um, I get intrusive thoughts that I'm going to, you know, like, I hate to admit this because it's kind of embarrassing, but So I'm a runner and, you know, I've been challenging how far I can run over recent weeks. And, um, I'm finally getting to the point where I can, uh, run and I'm not bragging here. I'm just saying, I'm just telling a story. Um, but I can, uh, run about seven miles without, with, with a fair amount of, uh, ease, you know, it's not as hard as it used to be. And, um, but, um, when I was done, I felt something squirt from my shorts (laughs) i hate to say that um but it's true and um i thought maybe i had diarrhea because runners and diarrhea is kind of a thing it's it they're runners are famous for diarrhea everybody's got a diarrhea story but so i thought i had a bout of a little bit of the squirts you know sorry to you know if you're eating i apologize but um but you know i was like oh shoot you know and so i went to the restroom and checked on things and um come to find out that it was it was blood right and um i you know took care of it you know and i went I came back in and i was talking to rebecca and i was like hey you know um, can i talk to you she was like yeah what's up and i was like well after runs i'm starting to bleed and she's like oh really that's not good and i was like yeah and i was like well it seems to go away after a couple of wipes i don't it's not profuse bleeding it's not continuing after it seems to go away pretty quickly. And she's like, well, that's probably a good thing. She's like, maybe you just have a hemorrhoid or maybe you just, you know, maybe you're just running so much. The friction is causing a little bit of chafing and such. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. But the point I'm making is that it can get really, really easy to convince yourself that you're dying, you know, and that's what intrusive thoughts are. Um, especially given the fact that, um, Remember when Chadwick Boseman died? Oh, God, it hurt when I read up about it because, like, it just happened so quickly for him, and um, and he died of um, cancer, of colon cancer, of all things. And so, ever since I read about that, I've just so always, you know, I had a um, an issue last year when I, ha- I had an impacted bowel, uh, also caused from running because runners. Uh, you know, you're bouncing a lot. And when you bounce, you impact your bowels. And I wasn't getting enough fiber. And so I had impacted bowel and I had to go to the doctor and I had to get x-rays and all that. And it was embarrassing. But uh, the doctor, the GI doc calls me, and he goes, hey, um, I got your results and uh, you've just got a lot of hard poop in there. <laughs> it's like, that's one thing I love about people in this small town. You know, uh, the doctors are they're they don't they don't church shit up they're just like he's got you got a lot of poop in there and i was like what should i do he's like drink plenty of water increase your fiber you'll be fine it'll all go away naturally and i was like okay and so ever since then i've been increasing my fiber i watch what i eat i drink more liquids etc but the point i'm making is that i cannot to this day you guys get it out of my mind of what could go wrong you we always think about those things and um Especially when we're dealing with guilt, especially if we're dealing with shame, um, especially if we're dealing f- with fatigue or burnout, um, it can get so easy to manufacture the craziest shit in your minds. And it, it, and that is no sign of your weakness or your craziness. I promise you, you guys, um, very sane, very intelligent people, um, have been stretched to their limit of fatigue and stretched to the limit of, of stress where they can concoct these things in their minds to think of all kinds of things are happening. Um, you know, my friend, Jim, the chiropractor, he had it too. You know, there was a time where, you know, uh, he, w- he wouldn't, you know, he, he wanted to filter his uh, shower water because it had fluoride in it, you know, cause he was convinced that the fluoride was um, making him sick. And it turns out that it wasn't, um, doesn't mean that it should necessarily be there, but, um, it is kind of one of those, uh, you go down that conspiracy theory route and, um, you know, there's different camps that believe that it's healthy and some believe that it's not. But the point is, is that those conspiracy theories, um, they all play on our paranoias. And that's where we're seeing a lot of that these days with the COVID vaccine. Is that right-wing media is trying to uh, drum up all this fear and angst over the over the uh, COVID vaccine because it helps uh, politically charge their base and that helps them and uh, their cause. And um, but the problem with that is is guess what? Then my wife has to deal with your crazy ass at the grocery store. So that's why we don't want those things to fester because we don't want to propagate more conspiratorial points of view that aren't true not to mention playing on people's paranoias in a society that's already stressed out is a, that's what they call, what is that word? Um, uh, it's a firecracker situation. It, it's a, a, what do they call it? a pressure? Uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a pressure cooker situation where uh, it's just a matter of time that something blows and it's just not a good idea. But uh, getting back to my list, uh, loss of interest, relationship struggles. Um, so, once you feel completely fatigued and down uh, you're gonna start to feel listless and you may start losing interest in the things that you normally love um, and that's what I was trying to tell you guys about depression is that um, a lot of people think that you're bipolar when you um, are happy and excited one week and then the next you lose interest and they're like well are you, is this guy bipolar what's going on with this guy you know and but um, no I assure you guys that it's perfectly natural um it's easy to uh get discouraged by things in life it's easy to run out of uh hope it's just easy you guys to start losing hope and uh and to start listening to your uh your your better demons you know you've got your better angels but you've also got your better demons and um sometimes those demons went over those angels and uh so uh when you're in a uh, a stressed out spot when you're not sleeping great or maybe you're overly tired uh, maybe you've been dealing with an exorbitant amount of uh, stress at work or something. Um, you become like my cat Gouda. You become um, just completely uh, uh, over uh, bombarded with with stressors and to the point where you actually break down and then you have to go hide. And uh, that's what we empaths have to do is sometimes we have to, uh, sometimes when filtering and blocking isn't enough, um, we have to literally remove ourselves from all stimuli uh in order to finally heal and uh so if you feel like you're having days energetically where you just uh, you're you're on your wits end and your nervous system is going bonkers um join the club because I've been there but um take a day or two off the center it's okay remove all the stimuli that you have to um sometimes just reading in a quiet uh, you know just a barely lit room or just lit just well enough to read um you know, remove all that excess stimuli. Um, it really does wonders for you. Um, but uh, loss of interest, yeah. Um, sometimes that can be, uh, and by the way, I'm not a psychologist, you guys. So um, just know that going into this, that I'm here to help empaths and I'm here to help you with your mental health, but I am not a trained professional. So if you are having real serious issues, please, please, please seek a professional. Th- seek a therapist or call 911. Whatever you have to do, um if you're if you're feeling suicidal, call a suicide hotline. They have more than just talk. They can have real lasting uh, resources for you, not only to gain hope, but to gain resources that you might be lacking. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. But, um, uh, let me get into my list here because I've got more here. So empath burnout and empathy overload. Okay, so empath burnout is when you just lose touch of your normal empathic sensibilities you you become apathetic you become angry you become irreverent you become uh, perhaps a little bit snooty and and cruel or rude you know um and that can happen and and sometimes it's okay uh to get some of those things out um just make sure be careful if in the wrong situation you don't want to piss off the wrong person you don't want to piss off your boss you don't want to end a friendship accidentally And you certainly don't want to um, do something at work where you could get in trouble. So just remember that if you're having empath burnout, uh, to um, listen to your senses, they will tell you what you need. You probably need to back away and recenter for a while. Um, But then there's what's called empathy overload. Empathy overload is um, different than empathic burnout because empath burnout is when an empath is burning out from too much stimulus. Um, but empathy overload is when you're feeling too much empathy for somebody else um, that perhaps um, either you've wronged or somebody who's going through something. Um, and I'm having it right now too. Um, I'm having a massive, massive empathy overload for a family member. And I can't go into the details because it's just too darn, uh, it's just too hard to deal with, frankly, right now. One of these days, I'm going to tell you all about it, but right now I just can't. Um, but I, I just die inside every time I think about this person and what they're going through. And while, uh, this person deserved some form of punishment, um, he didn't deserve all this. And it's just, oh, it kills me to think of what he's going through. Um, But we'll go into that. But yeah, being uh, empathy overload. Yeah. You know, it's just, we are empaths. We feel for other people the way we feel for ourselves sometimes. And it can get really increasingly easy uh, to just feel so much empathy for someone else that you just die inside. Um, You know how, when you're watching, I remember the other day, I was on Instagram and somebody had uh, a video posted and uh, it had one of those hidden, it was blurred and it said you had to touch the button to unblur it, uh, that it was, you know, one of those, you know, videos that had been flagged or something. And I was like, ah, I can take it. Well, I ended up tapping on it and it was a video. God, It was a video of, these, uh, sea animals being slaughtered and man, it, it upset me really bad. And like I said, you know, I can handle horror movies. I can handle all kinds of, you know, fake fictional things, uh, because deep down in, at the end of the day, I know that it's not real, but when things are real, Oh God, it just hurts so much, you know? And, um, you know, I the away real fast. And I was like, God damn it. Um, why did I look at that? You know? And, um, the thing of it is you guys is that sometimes our empathy towards, uh, the suffering of others, uh, is directly in line with our uh, compassion. <clears throat> and sometimes, uh, it just, we get an overload, um, an empathy overload because, um, frankly, because we're overly tired, we're overly frazzled. Um, and when we're hurting, every little thing can hurt much, much more. And so it's almost like, um you know, it's like, it's like the difference between being burned by a hot stove and being burned by a hot stove when you were already burned before. When you're all, when your skin is already burnt and then you touch something hot on it again, it hurts 10 times worse than it had, had you done it for the first time. And so I think, when we're going through empathy overload it's when you're feeling an overabundance of uh of caring and concern and sadness uh for somebody else's plight and it's not yours it's not your plight you did nothing wrong you're simply feeling too much for somebody else and um that leads me to something else here <clears throat> uh let me find it here uh do, 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 do. Let me take a sip, you guys. I'm going to take a quick sip while I'm looking. We're almost done here. Um, oh, stop caring shit that doesn't belong to you. I saw that the other day. It was a Was it a meme? I think it was a meme. But it was on Facebook, and it said, stop caring shit that doesn't belong to you. And I was like, hey, fucking man, sister. <laughs> You know, because, yeah, at the end of the day, impasse, man, not only do we carry all of our own emotional struggles, not only do we try to always be the adult in the room, not only are we um, grief and guilt-stricken from our uh, dark and creative sensibilities, um, but we also, um, we carry everybody's burden. And that reminds me of a Soundgarden song, The Burden in My Hand, Um but we do. We carry other people's burdens in a way that isn't always so healthy. And um, and we, we carry their burden like it's ours. And um, especially if the person's close to us, um, you know, like with the situation with my uncle, um, this person did a bad thing, but the punishment did not fit the crime, you guys. And Boy, do I feel for him bad, but I can't talk about it yet. I will one day, but it's just too hard right now. And um, and so I'm carrying that every day. I'm carrying that load. And I had to teach myself to put that load down, that it's not my load to carry. And um, the truth is, is that my uncle has screwed me over in the past. This family member has screwed me over a few times in the past, and he wasn't a very good influence. But I also know that he's not a criminal. I also know that he's not a bad person. And so I'm just hurting and reeling from what he's going through right now. And, um, it's just like, that's the thing I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is that even if you're, even if you don't like the person anymore, or even if you're not even close anymore, if you once were close to that person, that can be enough to be carrying their burden. Um, you're like, have you ever had like an ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend who is telling you something bad happened to them? And um, if you hate them, you're like, well, good, fuck you. <laughs> you probably deserve it, you know, but when it's somebody that we have feelings for, even if those feelings are 20 years old or 15 or whatever, uh, whenever we're close to somebody, we, we forge a bond. And sometimes that bond is for life, even if the bond has been severed. Um, I have a friend that we had a falling out uh, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, all because um, I was going through a time where I was getting uh, overly tired of Trump and Trumpism because he was losing his damn mind. And we saw how that all ended up with the... Uh, January 6th thing. And I was just like, I wasn't trying to be a part of that liberal echo chamber. I was just simply trying to get through the day going, what the fuck's going to happen today? You know, I, watching this country just get more and more crazy. And it was uh, really affecting me. And so we ended up having this conversation, uh, she and I. And um, she's a Jehovah's Witness. <clears throat> I'm an atheist and um, I'm a spiritual atheist, but I don't believe in a lot of that stuff and um, not because I disrespect it, but simply because um, I was trying to explain to her there's I, that I don't mind people having religion just so long as they're not indoctrinated into uh, groupthink and being brainwashed into things that aren't healthy. Right. And I was trying to explain that to her, but only after she had already gone off on me. Right. Because she was saying things like uh, the end of the days or the end of days are, are here and that all the signs of the apocalypse are showing themselves to come true. And so I assume that she was talking about Jehovah's Witness doctrine, um, where they actually do teach this. They openly teach to the elders and the the men and the the statesmen of their, I don't know what they're called, but the elders of their religion um, disseminate this information down to their uh, church followers that the end of times is near, right? And while we've all seen the crazy guy in the streets with the picket sign that says the end the end is nigh and all that stuff. Um it's quite another when it's your friend. And listen, you guys, I was in the military. I'm a realist. I know that the end of times could happen. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but what I'm saying is that chances are it's probably not as imminent as you might think. <laughs> and while it's not a bad idea to um do a little bit of prepping in case the shit hits the fan. Um, you know, as a, as a military guy, I, I can appreciate prepping. I can appreciate doomsday prepping to a degree, at least getting food and water and things in case of emergencies, etc. right? Like, okay, that's fine. Like, you're a doomsday prepper. You believe the end is nigh, and you're prepping for it just in case because you're just one of those kind of people. Fine. Okay. I can take that. Um, I'm not one of those people. We have water and such, but we don't, we don't, we don't plan for the apocalypse to come any second now. Um, but I was just asking her, how can you think that? How, like, are you thinking that? Because, you know, because I mean, during Trumpism, I, I, it was very easy to think that the end is coming, but, but I knew that that was just, um, thinking, thinking, you know, that's when you're stressed out and everything feels dysfunctional. It can feel like the world is coming to an end, but it's not really literally, you know what I mean? And so I was just trying to get to the bottom of why does she think that way, you know, and, um, and, uh, she just said some kind of out there things and I don't want to get into too much of it because I don't want to disrespect anybody's religion. Um, but it just got to the point where I just said, you know, well, that is just crazy talk, you know? And, um, I didn't know what I said because I didn't say anything disrespectful to her. Um, but she, um, she, she unfriended me and she blocked me. And this is a person, um, who I've been to her house several times. Uh, she has a young daughter, uh, Rebecca and I, uh, have even met her mother because apparently the church has to. Approve of their close and personal friends, which I find a little bit disturbing, but whatever. But we went over to dinner and we talked with her mom, and she got to know us and got to see that we're good people, you know. And that's the thing like, I've, you know, I tried to explain to her, like, my morals have not changed. Whatever you think is changing inside of me has not changed. We still love you. We still care about you as a person, but what you're speaking of is a little bit dangerous, you know. And, uh, I don't know exactly what I said, but I think what probably did it at the end is that I said that that's crazy talk. You know, I I called that a bunch of crazy baloney or whatever. <laughs> and um, I think Jehovah's Witnesses, from what I gather, if you disparage their um, church, if you disparage their teachings if you disparage their points of view, um, they are not only, not only do they have, they're obligated. They're literally obligated to end that and terminate that relationship, despite the fact that they may hurt over you afterward. And so she ended the friendship. And so about a year later, uh, you're, you're in some change. Um, I, I think I told you guys on a episode that I tried to write her again and say, Hey, I was trying to get inside her heart and say, Hey man, we miss you. Why did you do that to us? And we're we're still the same old people. We were just worried, you know, because I think that's what happens is you get overly worried about politics, you get overly worried about a bad economy, uh, you get overly worried because of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, um there have been times where uh stress and, and an anxious society will make you uh, go get a little bit uh, weird, get a little bit uh, paranoid, get a little bit uh, different for a while. Um, and then you mean, and then later as it, as it passes, you go back to your normal self. But um, I think she really believed that, that I was going to extremes with this whole anti-Trumpism thing, but it's like, no, I wasn't. I was just saying we, the the same way you're trying to prep for the doomsday, I'm trying to prep for the eventuality that Trump does something crazy, you know, um, because he really was that dangerous. And I truly, sincerely believe that he's a sociopath. And he alarmed me. As an empath, you know when you find and meet a real sociopath. And Trump is a true narcissistic, sociopathic, narcissistic um, psychopath, really. And, um, and so I was just Preparing myself emotionally and financially for the eventuality that he might win re-election, and we're going to have another four years of this craziness, right? And so we didn't, you know, we 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 didn't openly share that hatred of Trump. I I don't talk about politics all the time, Um, but it was just one of those things where I was getting into a personal conversation with her, and um, and she was basically, uh, I think she thought I was getting because they're not allowed to take sides on anything. They have to remain neutral and everything. And they're not allowed to vote either. And so she was trying to re- maintain this Swedish uh, neutrality, if you will. And all I was trying to say is that your, your uh, doomsday prepping is sort of akin to my Trump prepping, you know, but because I had called it uh, a little bit uh, overzealous craziness, she ended the friendship and I miss her. I miss her every single day. Um, and it's un- just so unfortunate, you guys, that human beings are so fragile. Uh, we're so hyper serious. We're so uh, mean and rude to each other. And we're so petty. And I always say it always reminds me of uh, uh, Thor. when He's like, you people are so petty and small, you know, um, because it's true. We can be so small. We can be so petty. We Just these little tiny problems just turn into huge problems uh, depending on the situation. And so I would ask you guys to, um, before you blow up on someone, before you go to extremes, to uh, sleep on it and, and let yourself calm down um, because it is so easy to lose friendships these days based on the fact that maybe you guys weren't very close to begin with or perhaps Neither of you are in a good place emotionally, or, um, hate to say it, but people aren't all, all there anymore. We're all, I don't think everybody's firing on all cylinders nowadays, you guys. And so you don't know, uh, what somebody else's mental state is. And that's like, um, a good example is like when my wife, when we're driving and I'll let her, I let her drive. No, she, when she's driving, (laughs) I don't let her drive. She just drives. Um, But when she's driving and I'm in the passenger seat, um, and she'll like flip somebody off and I'm like, Hey babe, don't do that. She's like, why fuck that guy? And I was like, because you're starting fights. I have to finish. That's why, (laughs) you know? Um, and so it's just one of those situations where, um, don't start something you can't finish yourself, you know? (laughs) Um, because you don't know that other person's mental state. And while I might agree with her flipping that person off, Hey, I'll flip a person off, but because I can, I can, I can take it, you know? Um, but my wife, you know, she doesn't know the mental state of the people that she's flipping off. And so I'm just afraid one of these days, someone's going to pull out a gun or something. And so we live in crazy times, you guys, and you don't know who's all there and who isn't. And so I'm just saying that stress has a way of turning normally good, normally, um, Loving people into, uh, frankly, psychopaths, you guys. So we have to be careful, uh, not only with ourselves, not only with our partner, not only with our friends and acquaintances, but with perfect strangers too, because you don't know somebody's mental state. Because like I said, we're all reaching, uh, empath burnout. Um, in this case, you don't even have to be an empath, but you're just, you reach just burnout. You reach, energetic burnout you reach a uh, personality burnout you reach uh peopling burnout you, you you're reaching the point in life where you're tired of capitalism you're tired of the cruelty that it sows you're tired of the exploitation mechanism inherent in our inherent in our system and so it can get so increasingly easy to allow ourselves to go off the deep end and so i would just ask you guys uh if you're going through some kind of um empathy overload or empath burnout to just um, try to find uh, the power of kindness, okay? And so that's the last point I have today. I have the power of kindness and be untriggerable. So my grandfather, yes, I know I triggered a few of you guys when I said, suck it up, princess. Um, I was only trying to illustrate that there's going to be people out there that don't live up to your sensibilities. They are going to mismanage you. They are going to mishandle you. They are going to make you feel like shit. And you have a few ways of reacting. You could punch their lights out. You could cry. Or you could um, maintain your composure and um, give give it to them back. You know, I always like to use the mirror effect. Um, if somebody gives it to you at 5 give it to them back at five. And if they get all, Hey, what are you doing? Say, Hey, if you give it to me, I'm going to give it back, you know, and, uh, just be fair about it. You know, if somebody's giving it to you at a two, don't give it back to them at a seven, you know? Um, but, but, uh, try you guys. Now, this is the part where, um, I want to end the show of the importance of kindness. Okay. Kindness is one of those things that, Um, we don't do it for others. Okay. I know that I I try to be, and I try to, um, foster a, a, a a feeling and a vibe of love, of gentleness, of softness, of kindness. Um, and yes, I do it because I care about you guys, but I would do it even if I didn't like you guys. And the reason that is, is when you're fostering an attitude of kindness, you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for yourself. okay? So remember once you're you know once you you've gone through the stages of grief, you've gotten through the anger, you've gotten through the frustration, you've gotten through the hurt, you've cried, you've made a plan, you've strategized how to solve the problem and now you're applying that strategy to fix the problem, whatever it may be, right? Um, And now you're at a place uh, where you can then find your calm again. You can find your center again. You can find your love again, your heart. Because I think at the end of the day, we would all be kind, happy, well-adjusted people if the world out there wasn't so fucking bonkers. Am I right? And so I think what happens is, is in a mean, rude world, we're becoming mean and rude and cruel to each other. And so all I would say is that don't be kind to others for them. Do it for yourself. It, it's a win-win, you guys. When you're nice to people, you're going to get them to be nice back to you. Reciprocity. Um, but also, you would be surprised how far a little bit of kindness goes. If you have been kind to people for the last 10 years, I'll bet you there's been a few circumstances where that kindness came back to roost in a good way. Like, say you did something nice to someone, you know, say your friend was short 20 bucks and you said, I got it. And you paid for their groceries or whatever. Um, and, and, and four, three, four, or five years go down the road and they'll do something nice back to you. Um, I have a friend <clears throat> and I used to call her a fan. She's a fan of the show. Her name is Idris Smith, uh, Idris Siennicki Smith. She's married now and she took on the name Smith, but she's from Oklahoma. And she is so much more than a fan at this point that she's a friend. And while we've never met in person, we voice message each other every single day. And it's because we don't have to know and see each other in person to know who's inside of that person there. We, we see each other. We see each other's hearts. And um, <clears throat> there's just something about her that is very special uh, that I identify with. She's very, um, she's been traumatized in the past. Um, She speaks from the heart. She'll admit, she'll tell you she has no filter. And um, she's just, she and I and Rebecca too, all three of us have become uh, extraordinarily good friends. Um, And we talk to each other every day just to encourage each other because um, frankly, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to know that A, that My podcast has made a difference at least in one person's life. But if I can be nice to her and take that kindness and take that love and take those good feelings and amplify it outward, and I can hopefully reach all of you guys in the same token, because the truth of the matter is, is that, yes, there are going to be people in this world you do not like. There's going to be people that you just absolutely loathe. And you cannot change that. And you should not feel ashamed that you don't like someone. Not liking someone is not necessarily your fault. Sometimes it's their fault. And so what I would say is that if you can find your inner peace, if you can find your inner comfort, if you can find that inner joy, I promise you your life is going to get so much better because you're feeling each moment, not with hate, not with disparaging words, not with hurt, not with all the grievances and traumas of the past, but you're filling your time and space and energy <clears throat> with love, with kindness, with good cheer. And I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds hokey, but, um, I know sometimes I come across irreverent, uh, you know, I, I'm, I self-describe myself as a little spit you know, I, I'm a scrapper, man, um, I don't put up with people's shit because why should I, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm a grown man. Um, but I have learned that the more, the more we try to fight that anger out there with anger, the more it perpetuates itself. And, um, let me give you an example. Um, there was a time, uh, in college, I was really stressed out and I, I, was still living. This was before the military. Um, I was still living in Reading, and I would go to college and I go to school every day. And there was um, like times where I would be so stressed out and I would exchange dirty looks with people in the halls. And um, I was like telling a friend, like what is wrong with people around here? Why is everybody really so, you know, and he goes, did you ever stop to think that maybe they're reacting to you? And I was like, "Why? I'm a nice guy. Why would that be? And he's like, well, you don't know it, but you carry yourself with a lot of stress and you, and that stress looks like a dirty look and people think you're giving them a dirty look and <laughs> it, I, it never occurred to me. Right. And so I tried to smile more and I made a conscious effort to be more relaxed. And, um, because the truth is, is that when you're an empath, um, and you're intelligent, oftentimes, um, kind of like my wife's sister um creative um <clears throat> independent uh, intelligent uh, sensitive people uh have a tendency to f- think very quickly and we come to conclusions very quickly and we can have this tendency to sort of bowl over people because we want people to live at our pace you know and so i was especially in those days i've slowed down a lot since then but in those days I was fast, fast, fast. I talk fast. I think fast. I do fast, you know? And, um, I think that quickness, that pace was just a breakneck, stressed out pace that people's, the energy I was vibing, uh, made people, it put people on edge. And, and I didn't realize that, oh, wow. When you're slow and calm and relaxed around people, wow, they become more relaxed around you. And, um, and so that's you know i know this isn't all rocket science it's something that we could all figure out on our own but the truth is that sometimes people we need to hear it you know we need to say it out loud is that when we're more calm when we're more relaxed when we're more at peace we come come off kinder and gentler to others they will reciprocate in kind um and that is what I meant when I was talking about my grandfather is that yes, I, I, I put words in his mouth. He did not say suck it up princess. I put those words in his mouth. I was just simply um, <clears throat> using shock value to say that old school world war two veterans like my grandfather would look at our petty little problems as being petty and superficial and immature. Right. Right. And so where we draw the line between self-care and suck it up princess depends on our own sense of self-awareness. We have to slow it all down. We have to get a breath in. We have to breathe. We have to relax. We have to calm down, come to our senses and start thinking rationally about our fears, about our paranoias, about our angers and hatreds and about all the injustice in the world. And while we may never fully get over the outrage that we're feeling in politics, in our socioeconomic injustices, in our uh, cultural uh, injustices, at least you guys give yourself a chance to breathe, give your chance to um, come full circle, to arrive at a place of self uh, love and self kindness. And when you find your center, I promise you, others will reciprocate in kind. And when you start exuding that energy, that's what I mean about empaths. Empaths are very sensitive to energy and vibes. All people are, but especially empaths. That when you exude energy of love and kindness and courtesy and wisdom, people are going to love you, man, because your energy is good for their soul, man. And so it's not how you look always. Sometimes. You, you won't, you know, if you meet somebody who's shallow and they are just not attracted to you, you may not ever get through to some people. Some people are just ruled by their insecurities, ruled by their petty shallowness. You will not uh, always, um, you will, you won't always, uh, meet eye to eye with everyone. Some people are just completely built from a different cloth, you know, but when you meet your kind of people, your tribe, and you're putting out the right vibes and you're putting out the right energy and you're calm and you're relaxed and you're in a good place, you will find, ladies and gentlemen, that you will achieve so much more than you ever realized simply because you're putting out the right energy. And you're and, and when you put out an energy and a vibe of abundance and kindness, and that's what I was saying in my last episode, is that people don't have the cojones, they don't have the energetic surplus to lend their kindness, to lend their energy to other people. They come off very selfish. We all come off very selfish. We are so stuck in our own mindsets. We're so stuck in our own um, problems that we don't realize that we're coming off self-centered and selfish to other people. And perhaps we're coming off uh, standoffish. Perhaps we're coming off uh, mean or rude or cruel. And maybe we don't even mean to. Maybe we don't even intend to sound like that, but we're doing it and we're not realizing we're doing it. We're not cognizant of the fact that people are picking up on our energy and our energy is coming off very self-centered or coming off very, um, hyper. You're just hyper. Maybe you're just stressed out. You know, all that energy can make others around you nervous. And so that's what I'll end with you guys. I'm losing my voice. One more sip. Hmm. Um, but you guys, <clears throat> sorry, goodness. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'll end with you guys is that, uh, energetic overload, empathic overload, empathy, uh, overload. We can lend our energy to others and sometimes they can take that energy and carry it off with them. And if you have an extra surplus of energy and you can lend it to people that you care about. Hey, that's what it's all about is lending a shoulder to cry on for others to energetically be, uh, my cat's trying to get into the to the door. (laughs) Could you hear that? Um, we have to lend our energy to others when others are feeling weak. Um, and that way, when we're feeling weak, we can borrow from their energy. And that's what it's all about is friends give each other the shirt off their backs and friends, give each other the energy when we don't have it ourselves, And, um, and that's what it's all about is that when you find your happiness, when you find your kindness, when you find your center and you're able to get over the outrage machine that this society makes just perpetuates every single day, Fox news, MSNBC uh, goes on and on and on and on and on all the social injustice. Yes. Be a fighter. Yes. Fight for justice. Fight, fight for equality. But at the end of the day, don't be a part of the echo chamber. Be a part of the solutions and don't let yourself get carried away. Am I outraged by the Kyle Rittenhouse um, verdict? Yes, but I can't carry that, man. I cannot live with that because maybe there's something I don't know. I keep looking for news articles that are going to explain it to me in a way that helps me feel like it was less um, less biased, you know. But the point is, I am outraged by it because we have a culture, a history of racial inequality in this country. And to watch a white kid, like, the, he claimed self-defense and then he won on self-defense, except he's the one that created the situation that he had to then self-defense from. In other words how can you claim self-defense in a situation you caused? I cannot understand that for the life of me, but I'm not a lawyer. So yes. Do I carry that with me? Yes. But at the end of the day, when it's time to punch out and be with my wife, I let all that stuff go, you guys. And that's the point is that find your center, find your kindness, find your goodness, find your relaxedness. Um, You might, you know, If you're feeling stressed out and you're going a million miles a minute, hey, that's okay, but learn where to get it out at. That's when I get it out on the treadmill, man. I go run seven miles. Why do you think I run so far? Because I'm pent up, baby. Um, So that's what I'm trying to say at the end of the day is that we all get stressed out. We um, have a million different ways of getting that stress out from irritability to irreverence to saying snarky things to being mean and cruel to each other. Um, But at the end of the day, hopefully, 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 we grow to the age of kindness and we grow to the age of wisdom <clears throat> and we have the emotional maturity to stop being so darn petty, to put those petty grievances aside and put those petty differences aside so we can arrive at a place of love and impl- arrive at a place of functionality. That's what it's all about. So, that's what I have for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, empath overload, empathy overload. Don't carry other people's burdens unless you want to, unless you're doing it for them. It's a gift. You can carry other people's burdens, but make sure that you're doing it intentionally. And if you're not, if you're carrying other people's burdens, but they're not something you caused or created, you got to let it go any way you can. And if you can't seem to get right in the head, no matter what, Then seek professional help. It's, there's no shame in it, you guys. And if you, but you know what? I would say that 75% of our mental health woes is all about, um, finding the right person to talk to, finding the right situation. A cup of coffee and a good friend can go a long, long way, you guys. So be good to yourself. Be good to others. Don't be kind for others. Be kind for yourself. But then watch as the rewards start piling in. I swear it works. And have faith. Have faith in the process. Have faith that your life has meaning. And keep chipping away at the things that you got to do each day to create a better life for yourself. I swear to you. It's incremental, but you will start seeing results. That's what I've got for you guys. Thank you so very much for listening to me go on and on and on. I really love talking to you guys. I sincerely love you guys. And thank you for helping me. I will try to help you in any way I can. If you want to talk to me and keep the conversation going, come on over to Chef Bry Comedy. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You can find me at at Chef Bry Comedy. That's B-R-Y. Or simply type in on the Google machine, Surviving Empathy Podcast. You'll find me. I'm out there. And thank you again. I love you guys. That's two in the... Or no, that's one. That's my first episode in the bag for... Uh, we, we're going to have one more for you this week. And uh, yes, I'm going to be getting back into Ghosts and Empaths again very soon. So don't get too on me. I swear to you. I'm, I'm coming back with Ghost stuff. I promise. And I've got uh, another episode on Empath stuff too. We're going to talk about the science of being an empath. There are literally scientific reasons why some people are more energetically sensitive to others so stay tuned for that and thanks again for listening and have yourself a good day